All right, so let's go into this topic, prayer that's out of this world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you and we thank you, Lord God, for the time that we have left. Let, let us make the best use of it, Lord God, hallelujah. Let us get out what needs to get out, Lord God, hallelujah, and bless your people in a mighty and in a powerful way. We thank you, Lord God, in advance for adding blessing to your word. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen and amen, hallelujah. Uh, there are some of us who are praying or asking God for a provisional answer while we dance around his last directive. Uh, sometimes if you're not careful, you can do that. You can begin to ask God concerning what's happening in your life now and, and ask God for a provisional answer while you are dancing around his last directive and you're, you're, you're consumed with what you need now and God in essence is saying, hey, wait a minute, we didn't finish our last conversation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, there were some things that we were dealing with before that were unfinished and you're asking for something now but we have not dealt with something that needs to be dealt with and we expect God to overlook something and just continue to to answer to bless and to do but that's not the way that he necessarily works amen somebody hallelujah there is no way you can know God uh, and have an inconsistent prayer life I said there is no way you can know God and have an inconsistent prayer life there are many of us who proclaim that we know him but you can't possibly know someone you're not in fellowship with. You can't possibly know someone that you're not hanging out with. You know, when, when people become close uh, relationally, it's because they have spent adequate time together getting to know each other. They actually really like each other's company and that's why they either become best friends and sometimes, you know, it goes further than that. Somebody gets married and, you know, all that good stuff. But uh, it happens through fellowship it happens and so you can't say I know you can't just say I know God you know I think that we use that word very loose I know God because I go to church or you tell somebody that doesn't go to church and they'll tell you I know God I know him in my own my own way I, I know God I know God uh, but then there's no record of time spent with him if we, if we looked it up, you know, how, you know how forensics gets into looking for evidence and then something happens, they, they get that phone, they confiscate that phone, they get that computer and they start looking for evidence of who this person was talking to, who this person had contact with. If, if we did that right now and, and we grabbed your spiritual computer and your spiritual phone, would we find proof Hallelujah. that you have been with God? Hallelujah. I heard a man of God say the place of prayerlessness is where deception abides. Not just deception, but temptation. Jesus told his disciples who couldn't stay up with him for one hour. Could you not just stay up with me for a week? Can you give me just one hour? He said, pray so that you not fall, so that you do not fall into temptation. He's letting us know that without prayer, there will be traps set up for us in the place of prayerlessness whereby we can fall. Amen, somebody. Now, when I say prayer that's out of this world, I do mean something. Let's go there. First uh, Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number two. First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number two. I'm going to warn you that we are not going to finish this already. First Corinthians 14 and verse number two. Amen. Hallelujah. When you have it and you're ready, shout amen. Watch what it says, saints. This is the apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth. Amen. This is what he says. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. I'm going to read it one more time. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, how be it 
in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So he who speaks in an unknown tongue is speaking by his spirit. You see it up there, right? Let me put some more substance on that. Show me verse 14, same chapter, verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. You got that? For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. My understanding is unproductive. My, I'm, I'm, I'm praying in one dimension and another dimension in me does not understand what I'm praying. I'm praying, watch this, and my mind, which is in the dimension or the faculty of my soul, right? How many of you remember when we talk about the spirit, the soul, and the body? Amen. Your soul is where your mind, your will, and your emotions are. So watch this. When I pray in an unknown tongue, the reason that my mind is unfruitful is because it's not coming from that dimension. It's coming from the spirit part of me. That spirit part of you that woke up when you got saved. I said the spirit of, because before that, before I got saved, before I came to Christ, I did not have God consciousness. The Bible says I was dead in my sin and in my trespass. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, the Bible says the spirit of God quickened. That word quickened in the original language means he made alive. The part of me that was dead, which is my spirit. And my spirit became alive. And my spirit now has God consciousness. Anybody in here could testify that before you knew Christ, you weren't really looking for Christ. You couldn't really feel Christ. If you even opened up the Bible and tried to read it, you couldn't even read it. It didn't make no sense to you at all. But then you gave your heart to Jesus and your spirit woke up. And now you can feel him. And now you read the Bible and it's making sense to you because the spirit woke up your spirit. And now you have God consciousness. Not just self-consciousness. That's what your soul gives you. And not just world consciousness. That's what your flesh gives you. But your spirit man that's now alive gives you God consciousness. And so when I pray from that dimension, my mind is unfruitful because it's not coming from there. Are you with me so far in here? And some people, some people don't like that because they feel like they, they're not in control. And some people will try to talk you out of doing it because they will say something like, you can't be operating in something you don't understand. How is it that you're going to go ahead and try to operate in something that you don't understand? But I want to submit to you that if you limit praying to simply uh, doing it in your understanding, hallelujah, you're going to fall short. I said, you're going to fall short because if, if I took you to Romans chapter 8 right now, I will show you a verse that clearly lets you know that we know not what to pray for as we ought. And so that scripture is letting us know that we don't know how to pray about everything. That there are some things, hallelujah, that you might be able to understand, but if you just live a little bit, if I have anybody in the room that has just lived for a little while, you'll know that life will hand you something that you just don't understand. I don't understand everything about everything, and life has hit me with some things, hallelujah, that when they came, I could not really comprehend or understand why these particular things were happening. I don't understand everything there is to know about people. I wish I did. I do not. I wish I understood everything there is to understand about my friends, but I don't understand everything. Hey, let me take it even a step further. You, you think you know your spouse. Let me help you here. You don't understand everything about your spouse. No, you don't. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? When you read your Bible, I wish I had some real people in here. There are sometimes you come across some stuff in your Bible. You really just don't understand and you need some help. But Thank God we have a helper whose job is to lead us into all truth. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He will open up my understanding. He will illuminate, shine the light on the text. Hallelujah. So that my mind can catch up. 
to what he's dropping in my spirit. Are you in this place, church? So prayer is not something that you can limit to the understanding alone because man does not understand everything as it pertains to life. Life happens. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. So I'm praying in one part of me and the other part of me doesn't understand. It's unfruitful. Amen, somebody. So watch this. Put verse 14 back up on the screen because Paul concludes. I wish we can dissect every verse in this text, but there's 40 of them, and that could take a while. So I'm going to try to summarize it for you, and I just pray that you go, ahead, go home and, and ask the Spirit of God to, to help you uh, if, if I didn't help you enough. Amen. Watch this. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Next verse. So here's the conclusion of the matter, saints. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Now, before I dive into that, let me just say that Paul is introducing to us, watch this, two realms of prayer. Two realms. It's twofold. In other words, hallelujah, there is prayer that comes out of my mouth with words that are beyond my comprehension. And then there are prayer, there's prayer that comes out of my mouth with words that I understand. And he said, I'm going to do both. Now, in this chapter, in the later part of this chapter, he gets into a whole thing with the Corinthian church because the Corinthian church is operating in the gift, but it's out of control. Everybody's praying in tongues and everybody's prophesying. And, and you know, it, it, you go in there and, and you would, you'd swear it was a Holy Ghost showdown because they're all over the place swinging off the chandeliers and having a good time. But Paul said, hey, easy. You're out of order. And so what he tries to do in this chapter is that he tries to bring order to the gifts. Amen. And what he's doing is he's letting them know, hallelujah, it's not that you're not supposed to operate in them, it's that you're supposed to operate in them in order. Amen. And he's basically the crux or the context is that he wants the people of God to be edified. He said, above all, the most important thing is not that you show people how spiritual you are, but that when you use the gifts of the spirit, that they serve as edification for the whole body. Are you in this place? And so Paul goes on to say that I'd rather, personally, he says, I'd rather speak five words of English in the church than 10,000 words in tongues so that whoever is hearing me can understand what I'm saying and be edified. But then at the same time, he says, but don't forbid to speak in tongues. And then he tells them, I, I wish that all of y'all spoke in tongues. And then he went as far as saying, I speak more tongues than all of you. It, it really comes down to when you're supposed to do it. Are you in this place, church? If you're with me so far, shout glory. glory. Hallelujah. Uh, Pastor, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about all that stuff because, you know, if I don't understand it, I'm not going to operate in it. If you got to, if you can only operate in that which you understand, then you can't walk by faith. You can't. The Bible says we walk by faith. And not by, what do you think that means? That's not just, that's not just talking about, watch this, I walk around with my eyes, with my hands over my eyes, blindly, you know, and I just run across the street on a major highway. That's not, what, that's not what that's talking about. What it's talking about, hallelujah, when it's talking about sight, understand that sight also refers to perception. Uh, sight is talking about to the light of knowledge that I carry. I just don't walk according to my understanding. But regardless of what's happening in my life, even though I don't understand it, I still believe in him and I still trust him regardless of what's happening that I don't understand. Has anybody in here ever experienced something that has hit your house, your, your life, your marriage, your kids that have made you say, God, I don't understand what's happening, but I trust you and I still going to praise you and still going to worship you. Ooh. In other words, the reality is that one day your intellect is going to reach a cap. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care if you got more degrees than a thermometer. Your cerebral capacity is going to reach a peak. You don't understand everything. 
You don't know everything. Life is going to come to prove to you that you don't know everything. Hallelujah. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You reach for things that are beyond your understanding. Are you blessed in here? Ooh. What do you do when your kids are acting crazy and you don't understand why? You know, oh God help me. Do I got some parents in the house? You got to be a parent to feel me here. Because watch this, here's the, rea- here's the reality. Most people will say stuff like, uh, if they act in that way, it has, to do, it has something to do with their parents and it has something to do with their upbringing and where they came from. And there is some truth to that, but that's not across the board. I said that's not across the board because if that was across the board, hallelujah, then why did Adam do what he was told not to do and he came from a great place with a perfect parent? God said he came from a garden that was perfect and he came from a God that was perfect and God said don't do it and he still did it. So let me help the parents in here before you start walking around with a cloud of guilt over your head and let the enemy blame you for your child's craziness. Hallelujah. You just keep on praying and I'm going to tell you how to pray in a minute for that child. Hallelujah. So that you can continue to trust in the Lord and believe for that child. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. I've read hallelujah where this is why humanism in the world today has become our greatest challenge humanism because the world that we live in is full of people who worship and exalt humanism oh God help me in here people people only buy into what they understand they, they exalt the human experience and refuse to lose themselves to something that goes beyond the worship of their mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And they don't understand that the God that they serve said, my thoughts are above your thoughts and my ways are above your ways. And as, watch this, as high as the heavens are above the earth, That's how high my waves and my thoughts are above yours. You make a huge mistake when you worship humanism to to think that you can think on the level of God. You're going to need another technology. You're going to need another language base to give you power and insight. Hallelujah. And understanding for the solutions or the solutions that for the things that you're going through. Amen, somebody. If all you do is limit yourself to your understanding, your peace will always be attacked. If all you do is limit yourself, hallelujah, to your understanding, your peace will always be attacked. Because according to the scriptures, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding hallelujah and if you listen and if all you do is say you can only operate on what you understand that you can't tap into that peace so whatever peace you have is going to be attacked hallelujah because you don't have the peace that passes understanding hallelujah but if you have that peace that passes understanding you can walk through hell's kitchen and still sing a song you could be going through hell and high water and not lose your praise not get full of anxiety not have a panic attack not have a nervous breakdown and still come to church hallelujah and people won't even be able to tell hallelujah that you are going through it right now because you're giving God a crazy praise even in the midst of your situation because you have a peace that did not come from man I say it all the time, hallelujah, if the joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, then the world cannot take it away. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what the world brings. You can't have my peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives it. Anybody got that peace? A lot of people say they got that peace until... Then all of a sudden something hits them that they don't understand. And you will be amazed at how many people quit because they don't understand. Are you hearing this preacher? And so I want to submit to you that everything will not happen in the confines of your understanding. You got to understand that. Everything will not happen in the confines of your understanding. 
Listen to what Paul said. This was pretty amazing. Hallelujah. And what I'm going to share with you, hallelujah, is part of what Jamie shared with me that I thought was very powerful. And so I can't take credit for it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway because I believe it's going to bless you. Amen. The apostle Paul said, I will sing in the spirit. So Paul grants the allowance not just to speak in tongues or not just to speak in the spirit, but to sing in the spirit. And here it is. There are moments and there are times, hallelujah, where you got to sing your decision. I'll mess somebody up. But, but those that are worshipers, you're going to feel me. You got to sing your decision. There are certain decisions you make vocally that need to be reinforced with a song. There are certain decisions that you make vocally that need to be reinforced with a song. Because watch this, the song brings the heart under subjection. I said the song brings the heart under subjection. The confession is for your mind. But the song sedates the heart so that you can follow through. God, help me in here. So whenever God gives you something hard to do, you, you got to put a song on it because the song sedates your heart because when God asks you to do something hard something hard your heart's going to try to trip your emotions are going to try to get the best of you and fear is going to try to come in to keep you from doing what God said but if you put a song on it God help me the song will begin to sedate the heart and give you the strength to follow through that's why the psalmist said I will enter into his gates I will follow through hallelujah with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Praise does something to help me follow through. Ugh. Do I got some worshipers in the house? Mm. There are some tongues that are not meant for interpretation. Oh boy. Can we get into this? There are some tongues that are not meant for interpretation because what happens is that some people that are against what I'm talking about right now will try to take those two last verses that I read mix them up together to confuse you into not doing it are you hearing what I'm saying because they'll say that there has to be an interpretation and and if that's just why Paul said I will speak in the spirit and I will speak with the understanding and they automatically assume that that means that every time you speak there has to be an understanding but if you read the whole thing you begin to realize that that is not the case and if you read the whole thing hallelujah he's talking about watch this two things he's talking about speaking in tongues and prophesying and he says to prophesy is better only because the people of God are edified because what you're saying they can understand. But if you speak in a tongue, the best thing that could happen is that somebody would get up and interpret what is being said so that the body could be edified. But you need to understand that the way the speaking in tongues works is twofold. And I wish I had a phone. I would, can I just borrow your phone for a second? Now, everybody in here is familiar with this. Amen, somebody? These things are pretty amazing, what they do. Amen. I remember the first cell phone. I was alive. That's not for you to try to guess how old I am. I'm just saying that I remember the first one, and it was an army phone. It was like, you couldn't carry it. No man could carry that thing in their pocket. That thing was huge. You know, when I was young, we didn't have these. We had beepers. Text messaging started with beepers. We used numbers to say hello. Y'all don't, don't know about that. Some of you young people, I just lost you right now. I could text with my beeper. I had about five words I could use, but I can do it. Your cell phone, watch this, has dual purpose. Well, now they have a lot more purposes, but just cater to me for a second. A phone has dual purpose. Watch this. It is for dialing out and for calls being dialed in. So I use it to call somebody, and at the same time, it's used so that people can call me. When you read 1 Corinthians 14, in its context, you're going to find that there are two ways that this works. When I speak in an unknown tongue, watch this, the, the text we read, I don't speak to man, but I speak to God. 
Though my understanding is unfruitful, how be it in the spirit I speak mysteries unto God. That's me dialing him up. There's no need for an interpretation. But when he's dialing down the church and he wants to say something and he wants everybody to understand it, he'll dial the church. Somebody will get up, speak in tongues, and then somebody will get up on the other side of the sanctuary and say, thus saith the Lord and interpret those tongues so that everybody in the house will be edified. Are you in this place? He goes on to say, watch this. If, oh boy, I got to help some people in here because we can't. He goes on to say, watch this. If you're going to speak in tongues, because remember the Corinthian church, here you go. The Corinthian church was out of kilter. They were doing it and they were just having a spiritual contest to show each other how spiritual they were. And Paul said, you're out of order. So he said, when you speak in tongues, speak by course. Check it, check it. Just read the whole chapter for yourself. Speak by course. You know what that means? Take turns. Taking turns speaks of there being control. If I have to wait my turn, that means I can hold it. And then he said, watch this, speak by course. And if there is no interpretation, listen to what I'm telling you, there doesn't always have to be an interpretation. If there is no interpretation then it says be silent in the King James but it's not saying shut up it's saying lower the volume and speak to yourself and to God because that one wasn't for the church you got excited amen and you started letting it out and it's all right but if there's no interpretation speak he didn't say don't speak he just said speak to yourself and unto God. This one is you dialing him up. It's not him dialing the church down. Am I making sense in this place today? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to do it in a way where you absolutely catch it. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus. Okay. There's power in language, saints. Uh, The word language defined is this. It is a universal power that strengthens, clarifies, and upholds all communication. Let me say it again. Language is a universal power that strengthens, clarifies, and upholds all communication. Do you know that even the animals communicate? I said animals communicate. Amen. They don't necessarily communicate like we communicate. And even though a lot of their communication is nonverbal, they even use their voice to communicate. Oh, yes. If you're, if you're a pet lover and you have pets in here, your pet communicates to you. Your pet communicates to you. Your pet lets you know when it wants to go outside. If you have a dog, that dog's going to let you know when it wants to go outside. It'll do a particular thing to let you know it wants to go outside. It'll let you know when it's hungry. And usually the, 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 the method he uses is, is different. To let you know exactly what it is that he wants. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If a pit bull started barking at me, I only interpret that one way. Get out of there very fast. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> but, but if he barks like that at another, at another dog, it might mean something else. Are you with me in here? If I'm in the jungle... Not that I would be, but if I'm in the jungle, amen. Well, we're going on a missionary trip soon, so that's that's as close as I'm going to go to the jungle, amen. So if if I'm in the jungle and I hear a lion roar, if I'm in the vicinity of that lion's roar, I interpret that one way. Get out of there. But if another lion hears it, in this case, let's just say it's a lioness, she might interpret it as a mating call. And while to me it's, get away to her it might be come to me are you hearing what i'm saying well i guess what i'm trying to say is that animals communicate 
Amen. Even, even I, I did a little research and I found out that even different species of animals have ways of communicating to each other. It's not just one kind to another kind, but different kinds also have a way of communicating with each other. I will submit to you, hallelujah, that you can't just profess that you have new life and not get you a new language. I want to submit to you that you just can't profess to have new life and not acquire a new language. Can I tell you in here that the New Testament does not necessarily begin at Matthew 1 and verse 1. The New Testament or the New Covenant, because Testament means covenant, really began when Jesus said it is finished. When Jesus said it, when Jesus spilled his blood, that's when the new covenant began. That's why when we take communion, we say concerning the wine, this is the new covenant in my blood. The minute I spilled my blood, I was victorious and the new covenant began. This is why even before Matthew, hallelujah, God help me in here. Jesus, as a matter of fact, submitted this while he was still alive, while he was still alive, hallelujah, that with Matter of fact, this is not only Jesus, this is Old Testament. The New Testament says it just to confirm what the Old Testament said. But he said, God said, through stammering lips and new tongues, I will speak to my people. And when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you will see that quotation. It's really from Isaiah. Amen. But God was prophesying way back when. Joel prophesied way back when about this particular thing that we're talking about. Right now, hallelujah. Are you in this place? Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, watch this. In my name, you shall tread over serpents. In my name, you shall take up strong drink and it shall not harm you. And he concludes with saying, and in my name, you shall speak in new tongues. Jesus said it. In essence, Jesus is saying, hallelujah, I didn't just make you a new people, create you to be a new people, to govern the world in a new way and not give you a new language. Are you blessed in here? When he quoted Isaiah, hallelujah, he was actually excited about it. But I don't see too many people excited about it today. As a matter of fact, a lot of people are shying away from it. And I think it's a huge mistake. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to submit to you very quickly with the six minutes I have left. That receiving a prayer language and operating in the gift of tongues for the edification of the body is not the same. Wow, this, I don't know if I could do this in six minutes. Amen. Hallelujah. There, if you ever read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we don't have time to go uh, to it, it, it starts naming a lot of the gifts of the Spirit. There's actually nine gifts altogether. Uh, but then there's... Uh, other gifts like ministry gifts, help, helps gifts uh, in the church, hallelujah. It's where it talks about the, 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 the apostle, the prophet, amen, hallelujah, the pastor, the teacher, all that good stuff. And uh, you will read a part in the scriptures where it says, shall all heal, shall all speak in tongues, uh, shall all interpret. And, and, and the obvious answer, even, does it, even though it doesn't say it to many of us, is no. But I will submit to you that that was talking about what Paul is dealing with in the latter half of 1 Corinthians 14, which is the operation of tongues for the edification of the body. And the reason I can prove that if I had time is because along with all those gifts, one of the gifts that it names is the gift of faith. And I said, wait a minute. So the gift of faith is for some and not for others? You see, sometimes you just got to keep reading so that you can start asking some questions after you do some good observation. Because it is impossible that as Christians, some have faith and some do not. So the text is not just talking about faith in general. It's talking about a supernatural faith that's given to some to overcome some amazing circumstances to the glory of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But in order to, 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 to serve God and please God... To accept God, you have to have faith. Or to each has been given a measure of faith. But in this text, it says, to some faith. You follow what I'm saying? So when it talks about the gifts of, of, of 
speaking in tongues, it says the gift of tongues, diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. It's talking about the ministry gift. It's not talking about you acquiring a prayer language so that you can use, hallelujah, for your personal edification. Oh God, have mercy in here. Let me just say this to you, hallelujah. God speaks, ah, this is going to mess you up. This is not a good way to end. God speaks one language. There's one main language. <laughs> I know he can speak every language because he gave them to us. Amen. That, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about before that happened, there was one language. You know what? The, I think that the problem with us and, and one of the reasons we shy away from this kind of this kind of conversation is like we automatically assume that God is American or something. And we get up in church and somebody starts speaking in tongues and people get spooked out. He's from out of this world. You saw that? He's, he's from out of this world. You know what's amazing? Can I just be transparent? You know what's amazing to me? Even when we come up with these foolish, fictionist characters, when we make movies of aliens coming to our, our planet, we never assume in the movies we make that the aliens is going to speak our language. But yet we want God to automatically. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and so we, we watch aliens. Again, don't try to guess how old I am. But I remember watching closing counters of the third kind. That's old. And when these aliens came in a spaceship and we tried to communicate with them, the first thing we did was try to use lights. How many of you remember? Boom, 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 boom. No. And we didn't have no problem recognizing that they're from another world. So obviously, they're going to have their own language. God has his own language. When the Bible says that Adam and God walked in the cool of the garden and fellowship together, God, let me help you in here. God was not telling Adam, hey, what's up, man? How you doing today? That's not how God was talking to Adam. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He didn't look at Adam and talk to him in English. I'm sorry. He did not talk to Adam in English. He didn't say, Adam, you see that tree over there? Don't eat from that tree, man. You eat from that tree, you're going to die. He did not speak to him in English. There was a language, but it was not English. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men... And of angels. L listen, listen, and, and, and for all the scholars in the room, yes, I understand the context here. Uh, uh, the Apostle Paul is using what is called a hyperbole to exaggerate a point that no matter how gifted you are, without love, you are nothing. So the point of the text is the concentration is on the word love, but you cannot deny that he makes a clear distinction between two languages. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Men coming from the earth, where do angels come from? There are creatures in heaven. Your Bible says they shout in holy. But can I help you here? Not English. Not English. Oh God, have mercy in this place. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here? Let me land this plane. And I'll just quote this because we got to go. 1 John 4, 5.14 says, this is the confidence that we have in him. That when we pray, he hears us. But we always stop right there and get excited. Oh, God hears me. Ah, my prayers ain't bouncing off the ceiling. That's right. When I pray, they go right through the ceiling. I don't care if I'm in a building with 36 floors and I live on the first floor. When I shoot that thing up, it's going up through every floor. It's going past the second heaven and it's reaching the third heaven. Amen, somebody. But the rest of, it, the, rest of the text, the next verse goes on to say, if I pray, is it up there? Watch this. And this is the confidence that we, okay. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Is it the next verse? I was looking for something in particular. Hallelujah. 
Uh, no, it's in another place. But the Bible says that if you pray according to his will. And I want to just submit to you, hallelujah, that he just doesn't hear every prayer. <laughs> he hears the prayer that comes to him in accordance to his will. And if I had to, listen, to narrow this down, I would submit to you that God's language is his will. God's language is his will. Anytime you pray in God's will, God's going to hear that. You can have confidence that God's going to hear the prayer that's prayed according to his will. Any prayer that's prayed outside of the will of God is going to be foreign to God. Is going to be foreign to God. That's like when somebody comes up to you, and I know this has to happen to somebody other than me. Please don't leave me up here by myself. But when somebody comes up to you and swears, you speak the language they speak. And just start talking to you in that language. And you're like. Uh, me no speak whatever. You understand what I'm saying? I don't. That's what God does to prayers that come to him. Outside of his will. Are you in this place church? I'm trying to do it so that you get it. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to find the runway, saints, so I can land this plane. Hallelujah. Do you not know, I said that, that, that God's language is his will. Do you not know that the reason you speak your language is as the result of a rejection of his will? The reason you have a language that's different than the original language that Adam walked in is because of the result of a rejection of his will. Genesis chapter 11, God's will was for the people to fill the earth. And the Bible says they refused to do it. They started building a high tower called the Tower of Babel that will increase unto the heavens. And God had to come down because they refused his will or rejected his will and confused their language. Could you imagine? Everybody was talking the same language one minute and then the next minute, they didn't understand each other. And so they started separating by group. Those that understood each other went to one group, another group, another group, and that's how you got your languages. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you blessed in here, church? But now that we are in Christ again, the Bible says there is neither Greek nor Jew. I know you're proud of your patria and where you come from, hallelujah, and your nationality, and that's all good. But in the spirit, we are all heavenese. I hate to mess you up. I said we are all heavenese. And when we get to heaven, I believe we're going to be talking one language. We're going to come from many nations, but we're all going to say the same Oh, we all going to say the same thing. Hallelujah. Jesus, are you blessed, church? Oh, you guys doing all right? You study your history, and every time there was a great outpouring or a great awakening, watch this, every single time, the baptism in, not of, in the Holy Spirit was its central move. Check it. Always. God's language would come in and everything else really didn't matter. It was unstoppable. Let me say this to close because I want to close on a high note here. The Bible says that they spake as the Spirit gave them the utterance. As the Spirit gave them the ability. The Spirit gives you the ability, but let me help you. The Spirit doesn't do it for you. Everything you do even now, everything that you do, you do through ability. You do it through ability. Amen? You have an ability, and the ability is what allows you to do it. The Spirit of God gives you the ability, but whose responsibility do you think it is to do it? When I speak in an unknown tongue, I don't speak to God. When I speak... See, the problem with us is we say, I just don't want it to be me. It has to be you. <laughs> this is what we don't get. 
I just don't want it to be me. I want it to be God. But God's not interested in having a conversation with himself. When I speak in an unknown tongue, I speaketh not unto man, but unto God. He gives me the ability. It's my responsibility to open up my mouth and speak. You want him to grab your lips and do this to them. Let me know how that works out for you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, I got to land this plane. It says, watch this, that the spirit is subject to the prophet. I'm going to say that again. The spirit is subject to the prophet. And so watch this. He gives me the ability. I'm in control. Mm. Sometimes what ends up happening is that we say, oh my God, it just comes on me and I lose control. Now, let me tell you something. That's okay when you first start operating in that. Because when you first start operating in that, it's overwhelming. And you do have a hard time controlling it. But after a while, the spirit is subject to the prophet. Paul said, watch this. You can hold it until it's your turn. And you can lower it if you need to. He said it in the text. Which means that I have control. I have control. Oh God, help me in this place. The spirit of God is like a river. The Bible says, and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this said he about the spirit. Can I tell you that the spirit is always flowing. The, the river of the spirit is always moving. I can operate in it right now. Because it's always moving. It's always flowing. My wife, hallelujah, waits to the morning time to tell me that I was fighting in my spirit half the night. And I was asleep. And while I was asleep, I'm speaking in tongues. And she says she hears it all the time, hallelujah. And I could be asleep, hallelujah, and it's still happening because it's coming from my spirit man. God, help me in here. Are you hearing what I'm saying, hallelujah? And so you need to understand that this is something that is, God, can I just show you one more verse and close? I got to show you this one last verse. Show me Jude, Jude verse number 18, and I'll land this plane. God, hallelujah. It was all like good worship, guys. Y'all always take my preaching time. Hallelujah. But, I, but listen, I, I love it, though. I love it. I ain't going to lie. I love it. All right. Watch this. I didn't give you the verse. Jude, verse 18. There's only one chapter. Jude 18, meaning verse 18. My bad, guys. Watch this. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. And there are. They mocking. The world will mock the church. Amen, somebody. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. They're going to walk uh, under the submission of ungodly passions that are going to be uncontrollable. Show me the next verse. These be they who separate themselves, sensual. Sensual meaning living by the senses. The senses, touch, smell, sight, all that good stuff. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Now, a little while ago, I told you, watch this, that when, when I pray in an unknown tongue, verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 14, my spirit prayeth. Right? My spirit is the one that's praying. I showed you 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2. Right? When I speak in an unknown tongue, I speak not unto man, but unto God. Right? Even though my understanding is unfruitful in the spirit. So watch this. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. Next verse. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves. How? How? How do you build yourself up? I told you. Listen. Oh, God, help me. There's a place in the church for the speaking of tongues, for the edification of the body. But then there is a personal use of this, what I call weapon, that Paul said, I'd rather speak five words of English in the church because I want everybody to be edified, but don't get it twisted. I speak more tongues than all of you when I'm home praying. It's what you really need to understand. 
And when I pray in an unknown tongue, according to 1 Corinthians 14 and 2, you edify yourself. Edify yourself. Some people think that that's just pure spiritual. Oh, it means I edify my spirit. That's not even what it says. It says you edify yourself. This text says, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Show me some more. Give me the next verse. Doing this will result in this. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unto eternal life. And there's more. Oh my God. I could keep on. There's so much there. Hallelujah. But listen. You need to be praying in the Holy Ghost. So that you can really understand the love of God. You can't understand love. Some of us have a warped, this world has a warped definition of the word love. It's all about feelings. Can I tell you, real love is not about feelings, about 10% feelings, 90% commitment. Commitment. Oh, God, have mercy. I say commitment. You can't understand love your enemies if you're walking in feelings sensual like this text said you better have a prayer language if you're going to love your enemies because you need to be strengthened in your inner man by the spirit of God to release the fruit of the spirit which is love you can't do you can't do good to those who use you and despitefully say all manner of evil against you you don't understand love you can't fully understand mercy we, so quickly we forget what mercy means. Mercy means I didn't get what I deserved. And then all of a sudden we want to think that we're better than everybody else and give them what they deserve. You better have the Holy Ghost active in your life, hallelujah, so that you can be merciful. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here, church? Give the Lord a hand clap in here.